0: Today, on The Bill Kelly Show, on 900 CHML. It was uh, another night of, uh, well, interesting television, I guess is one way of putting it, Uh, the Republican convention, uh, the the Donald Trump show, essentially, and the Trump family show uh, continued. It was bizarre, almost surreal, to listen to some of the things that were being said. Uh, Melania Trump was there. A number of uh, the Trump family were also speaking, as were a couple of the sycophants, including... Uh, one from overseas, uh, which raised the ire. So I want to bring Laura Babcock into the conversation, president of Power Group. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for the time. I'm glad you could join us today. My pleasure. I don't know if you were riveted to the TV last night. It was one of these things where I think as you were watching, you say, did they really say that? Is that really what they mean? There was almost a surreal quality, what we were hearing from the the, the speakers last night.
1: Yeah, it is surreal. It feels as though there's sort of two worlds happening, the one that we are witnessing with over 170,000 dead from the coronavirus and their terrible response to it in the U.S. uh, and all of the other economic and and racial woes. And then you watch the Trump team brilliantly gaslight and position it as something that uh, somehow was created outside of Trump actually being the incumbent and making it that that is what Biden's presidency will look like only worse, right? So the first night was very Very much fear-mongering and even that incredible screaming thing uh, that everybody's watched probably by now when one of the speakers, you know, was almost yelling at the end and it looked very weird. And last night was much more almost regal in nature, the way that they positioned it. They added in all these elements where Trump did a naturalization ceremony and they actually had a speaker, Bondi, talk about the fact that Joe Biden's all about nepotism when, in fact, the entire convention is is surrounding Uh, The family of the Trumps. So, yeah, so you you watch, but it reminded me of what um, great political GOP strategist, Karl Rove, said years ago. You don't attack someone on their weaknesses because those are already self-evident and hurting them. You attack them on their strengths. So they actually went after all the things that we consider people who watch the uh, the dnc convention to be biden's strengths they actually went after character and went after uh, you know they and and they projected sort of their their failings onto him it's very clever uh and and they're going to i think do well with this if you especially after last night even though they shouldn't have been using the white house grounds you know they probably broke the hatch laws even the, and they did a lot of stuff that again uh, they weren't supposed to do, but this is why Trump can never be underestimated Bill is because they really have no limits they will they will turn over every convention they'll they'll push every boundary and so what we saw last night. For people who were just kind of tuning in, Trump looked as though he was a, a, a compassionate person who has policies that are helpful around race and helpful around some of these other issues, when in fact his Twitter feed and their advertising and his own statements in the last few days outside of the convention is all about you know, fear-mongering to neighborhoods and, and to white suburban housewives about people coming into the neighborhoods and, and ruining it and all these racist dog whistles. So yeah, to your point, it is like gaslighting, but it, it, it might just be effective because if people aren't informed, they might believe what they were hearing last night.
0: Well, certainly they will, and I find that fascinating. I, I, by the way, to your point about the immigration and, and the swearing-in ceremony, I don't know if you saw Trevor Noah's uh, tweet about that last night. There's a still picture of him with the the, the five people there, and he says, here's Donald Trump at the only five immigrants he's allowed into the country since he's become president, uh, mm-hmm. which, I, <laughs> if you can't laugh, I guess you're going to cry through this whole thing. But to your point about pushing the boundaries, uh, and you and I have had this conversation in the past, Laura, he's going to continue to do that because nobody's ever stopped him. No matter what he's done, whether it's the Ukraine, whether it's Putin, whether it's anything, he he gets a free pass.
1: He was actually impeached, as we know, uh, not convicted by the Senate, but impeached not eight months ago for his own involvement with with the Ukraine scandal. And they were using Ukraine as an attack line on Biden because of Hunter's relationship there. And, you know, I I tweeted out yesterday, Bill, that when I heard there's going to be a Congressional Oversight Committee investigation looking into the violations of the Hatch Act by how they are doing some of this, I said, to what end? He's never held to account. Even that impeachment, essentially because he wasn't going to get convicted, made no difference. And, And I know they have to do it for the record, and they should do it. It's their oversight responsibility. But here's the point, is that, Trump is running all out for this. He loses his presidential immunity. There are a lot of different court cases and investigations happening in New York around the family charity and all other kinds of things. He's in big trouble if he leaves office. And uh, they are going to do everything they can to both protect him and, and is what has become really a cult of personality. Uh, they're not even, a, I wouldn't consider them a real political party when they don't even use their convention to, to vote on policies and create a platform. It's just whatever Trump says will do. Uh, and and having his family up there and all the rest of it, it so we are watching a very well televised, organized uh, effort to keep this man in power, and his power will become quite absolute if he gets a, a second term. And so, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I raised the alarm bells back in 2016, and I'm raising them again now, just because the polls look favorable and Biden is clearly a decent guy, and they made that case on character last week. Trump and his team put forward policies last night that are going to appeal to people. They sowed fear a little more nicely. The tone was a little softer. Melania did what she does. And people go, oh, she's sweet. She, she feels bad for the pandemic. You know, they are very convincing at this TV thing. They're very good at it. And so I think people have to not just mock the convention, because there were definitely things you could mock if you wanted to. People have to just put aside their feelings and go, wait a second, is this effective messaging? And if so, what needs to happen if you don't want Trump to come back in?
0: Let's talk a little bit about Melania Trump. Uh, for all intents and purposes, as the keynote speaker last night, she spoke in the Rose Garden. Peter Navarro was on, uh, I think it was MSNBC earlier in the day, trying to give a bit of a preview. Uh, and he actually described Melania Trump as uh, as uh, uh, this generation's Jackie Kennedy, uh, which I thought was a rather interesting uh, comparator since, since uh, it was Jackie Kennedy that planted those trees in the Rose Garden that Melania had chopped down last week. Uh, so I guess that's the passing of the torch or the passing of the tree, whatever the case might be. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the content of the speech where she expressed her, her empathy and sympathy to the people who died of COVID and, and, you know, that we need to come together instead of, you know, destroying property, etc. Nice, nice sentiment, but it had no basis in reality based on the, the things that her husband and the administration have done.
1: Well, and that's, that's the effect of gaslighting, right, is that you're told something that is so outside of what you understand, it has an effect of making you feel crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and people have to to watch this stuff, but watch it carefully. You know, keep your keep your critical lens on. I was looking at some of the news reports coming out. I think I saw one in the uh, AP saying that the the you know that they were successful and that what she said was great, and you know, and all this stuff. And you're just looking at it, going, "Well, hold on a second. Yes, she didn't rip off uh, Michelle Obama's speech this time. Like credit that it was her own words, I guess, or written for her <laughs> authentically this time. Uh, but you know, she. What has she done? What, what, it, what has B-Best done? What, you talk about Jackie Kennedy and her legacy and her impact on the American people. I mean, that's just another example. They will do anything. They will stop at nothing they, to, to say she's like Jack, Jackie Kennedy. I mean, I can't think of anything that Melania has done that is remotely positive. But even in gaslighting, Bill, because they've done this many times effectively, her B-Best program, the whole thing was around stopping online bullying. And her husband is, is like the bullier online the world has ever seen. So the we are, bullier in you know, chief, yeah. Yeah, we are watching we are watching uh, clever people cleverly manipulate a medium they're very good at. They take things that we think they would never do, like how can you possibly decry nepotism in the Biden family when you are you're you're literally breaking all the nepotism rules with your own family, uh, and but they'll they'll go for it. So I think that you know Melania might have gone on there, and you know people are saying her delivery, she looked like she was being forced, whatever. I think that narrative that Melania is somehow being forced to be there, people need to get past that. She wore that that yeah. jacket. I don't care to do you, uh, and she sent a strong signal, and she's never. Decried any of his policies, so she's on board, and you know, and and putting her out there as some sort of forced victim, I, I think is delusional. What we have to do is look at this family, this powerful family, the world's most powerful family. They have no intention of not being that for a very long time. You know, I'm sure the son is going to run at some point, Don Jr. Uh, we are watching the world's most powerful family create this dynastic power of presence in American politics and taking away the conventions that make it a democracy. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's a tremendous risk. You know, Obama last week said, you know, basically 76 days to keep us as a democracy. He knows exactly what their play is. We're now down to 69 days, Bill, and, I, and I'm not seeing it getting any better
0: this is going to play with his base and i know we've talked about this in the past but i think it's, it's extremely important right now and I, I agree with you by the way as 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 abhorrent as it may be to some of us who are listening to this and saying it has no basis in reality uh they're doing exactly what they wanted to do which is paint this alternative picture forget about what's going on in kenosha right now forget about what's happening in other places uh this is the reality. I mean, Larry Kudlow was on there yesterday talking about, uh, actually said, you know, it, it, the virus is in the rearview mirror right now. In what world is it in the rearview mirror? But that's the message. And his, his people, the the MAGA people, they live in a bubble. The, anything that doesn't follow the, the scripture according to Donald Trump, they simply dismiss as fake news, or as, as a well, hoax, and, as it turns
1: out. you use the word scripture as it relates to Donald Trump, and I think that's an important uh, change in narrative that we've seen. Trump is going out there saying that Joe Biden is attacking God and that Joe Biden doesn't want God and that, you know, in fact, that the DNC, they didn't use God uh, in their language, which is not true. Of course, they did. Um, and Joe Biden is a religious man and Trump is not, you know, uh, but but he will literally go after Biden's strength. Right. And and it's so untrue. But that is a mis- It's a mis- uh messianic kind of language and we saw it when trump said i alone can fix this way back right in the first campaign and a lot of us who grew yep. up around uh, you know messiah and, and evangelicals we saw what that was that was a very clear um, messianic kind of positioning but that has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and when i say a, a cult of personality i'm not exaggerating uh you know he has made this it's all about him since when does the candidate at a convention show up every single night on the on the screen they usually mm-hmm. wait to the end since when does their entire family pledge this undying loyalty since when do they like millennia? you might think her speech was nice and soft softly delivered or whatever, but what she basically said is there's a the pandemic, it's true, and there's racial injustice, it's true, and my husband alone is the one who can make it better, which is absolutely absurd. He he sows division and he's a racist, and we all have evidence of that. So when we see this stuff, I don't think people should dismiss it, his, his talk about God. Even though Jerry Farwell Jr., the, the very man evangelical who, who helped evangelicals look past the fact that Trump is not in any way religious and has no core values and doesn't subscribe to anything they believe in. He gave Trump sufficient cover using his weight to get the evangelical vote to vote for Trump. Uh, he is in a huge scandal and he's like been kind of run out of Liberty University. And yet they're still going to act as though they that, you know, everything is just perfectly fine and that they are they are all on the side of God. It is just, it is dangerous and bizarre, and I just think that people need to, you know, it's laughable, but it's also sinister. We've seen this used in history in the past, and it doesn't lead to a good place. And that's why when Michelle d- Obama said, if you don't think it can get worse, it can get worse.
0: Sure, Ken. I, 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 I hesitate to apply or try to apply rational thinking here, but, I mean, there's a, there's a, a, a core political thing here that's at play. Uh, Trump is using a lot of the same rhetoric that he used in 2016, uh, and as the outsider, quote-unquote, uh, and, you know, as, as the guy who, you know, is going to drain the swamp, you can get away with that kind of rhetoric, okay? He's got a, a track record of four years, and look at the things that have gone on. In other words, what's happening in America is on his watch, yet he still said it has nothing to do with him. He, he's, well, he's, he's totally fantastic. absolving himself, as he always does. He's blaming the Democrats for something.
1: Well, what, what Trump does is if a person near him does something bad, like Bannon just got arrested, right, for that build-the-wall thing being a, a complete fraud, uh, and, you know, Trump disavows everything. Oh, I, I didn't hear of it, or if I heard of it, I didn't like it, or or I don't know that person, or I've never met that person. That or or QAnon,
0: politics. there's
1: another one. Yeah. Or, oh, that's a whole other conversation, but the point is, is that yeah. he plays this game where he distances himself, and it's just enough That people give it a second thought and give him a pass and we talked about this when there's a fire hose of scandal and a fire hose of allegations and stuff coming at you all the time it just washes past and nothing really sticks to him so you know as i think what's the the bigger issue here is how is it that it got to a place where he could take over the grand old party and turn it into this cult of personality for him uh how did he manage to do that and even if he is run out of office and Biden comes in, uh, and he actually leaves office in a peaceful transition of power. What about QAnon? What about all of the, the radicalized space that does still exist? Uh, where do they go next? You know, this is not a this is not a one-election-saves-the-day situation. This is a bigger discussion about how fragile the democracy is in the U.S. right now, uh, and how pernicious some of these other movements are. And, and you know, so... I I just don't want people to get, even if they get Trump out, what's next, right? A long discussion for years on rebuilding a more just society in the U.S.
0: Uh, very quickly, I don't have a whole lot of time left. We already talked at length a couple of weeks ago about the Lincoln Project and, and the impact it's having some very powerful commercials that they're running uh, and their own expense. Uh, we got found out earlier this week, Laura, that there's a growing list of past and present Republican administrators and politicians uh, that are signing up anonymously. Some are going to out themselves, I guess, and, and declare that they're going to be voting for Biden instead of Donald Trump. What, that may be good for their own souls. But the, uh, the first question I have is where have you been for the last three and a half years that you're going to speak of now? But is it really going to have an impact to, to, the, to the general population about that, uh, making a move like that?
1: You know what? Uh, the Lincoln Project, I think, just makes us all feel better every day, that somebody calls them out rapid-fire, powerful video medium, right? I think it more uh, undermines and nerves Trump and makes everybody who doesn't like Trump around the world feel like, Hey, at least somebody's going low, as the Lincoln Project said. You know, you guys go high, we'll go low. They don't mind, right? And there, no one hurts you like family, so they're really going after Trump. But what they're really talking to is just the, the 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 Republicans, former Republicans, people who don't want to be in the Trump party. And there is a bunch of those people. But I think they might already be baked in the in the cake, if you will. They already know they're not going to vote for Trump again. What concerns me about last night's convention in the pomp and ceremony is that. For people who were really big Trump supporters but have found in the last couple of years their life hasn't gotten better and they or they had coronavirus or something uh last night would have reassured them oh wait a sec no I got that wrong you know Trump is the one who's fighting for this Trump is the one with the solutions and that's what worries me is that 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 sort of squishy middle that uh the Democrats really really need to stay with them or come over to them it might go back over to Trump because he looked very reasonable and very presidential and if you uh, want to believe what they're putting out there the trump family will, make, will help you believe it
0: well uh that may all get uh, washed away tonight because he makes his speech tonight which is probably going to be about an hour and a half long and rambling as per usual and then any any reassurance they may have felt yesterday they may say no no that's that's the that's the same old trump he's back with us again so we shall see I, there's no way he's going to stick to a script tonight is there
1: well, you know what? Uh, when he does, like he in his first State of the Union, you had people like Van Jones famously say, oh, now he's my president. Now he's presidential. He's good at this stuff. You know, he is the, he is the carnival barker in chief. He's extremely effective when he wants to be. So I don't think that people should expect him to stick to message on his Twitter account later or in his next <laughs> rally. But he might, Bill, and we should be prepared for that.
0: Laura Babcock, president of uh, Power Group. Always great to get your perspective on this, Laura. Thanks so much.